Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be. This is Reverend Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and this is today's edition of Bible Bites. My reading for today as we continue reading through the scriptures this year is found in 1 Kings chapter 12 through 14. And so in these chapters, David has passed on and Solomon has passed on and the word of the Lord, because Solomon started off great and did wonderful, but then he allowed the women, he fell for all the women and allowed them to bring the idolatry into the land, these evil uh, other false gods and their worship and all of that. And so God had already prophesied that the kingdom was going to be split and Solomon would be left with, his household would be left with um, Judah and Benjamin because of the promise God had made to David, his father. And the other 10 um, tribes would be um, uh, split off from there and form a different kingdom, if you will. And so from then on would be the beginnings. We see the beginnings of the what we call the Northern Kingdom and the Southern Kingdom. The Northern Kingdom being the 10 tribes that um, split off from the house of David and then the southern kingdom being Judah and Benjamin, the two tribes that, that God had promised him. Now, in chapters 12 through 14, I want to speak about a few things here. In chapter 12, we see where we're told these chapters actually give us quite a bit of detail about those the earliest of those kings, um, the first ones that rule in the time of the north of the split of the kingdom and we see the very beginnings of this uh, divided kingdom if you will and so in verse um, 1 through 17 of chapter 12 of first kings we read about where um, rehoboam the son of solomon is calling together counselors he's saying hey you know i want to get advice and so he calls older uh, people that had served with Solomon, and he gets their advice. And then he goes to young folk like him, and, you know, he gets their advice. And so he ends up going with the advice of the younger people. And the whole, whole matter was, okay, how should I reign? I mean, should I be um, stricter than my father was, or should I be easier on the people than my father was? Well, the, the wise people, the older ones, said, you know, lighten it up some. Lighten it up and the people will love you and serve you forever. And the young fellows said, no, we want to make it even harder. Make their burdens even more difficult for them. And so we see how this whole thing was of God because God was going to perform his word and split the kingdom. So Jeroboam, who had been in Egypt, comes up and he, he goes to him and he says, you know, okay, what are we going to do? And so when these counselors tell Rehoboam uh, their advice, then Rehoboam comes back and he takes the advice of the younger people. And so therefore we see God working it out to bring Jeroboam and the ten tribes to split off from Solomon's uh, son's kingdom. And so we see how this begins. Now the point I want to bring out about that is this. This shows us the importance of not only getting counsel, but making sure that we listen to wise counsel. You know, 
young people and older people, there are sometimes they're speaking of the generational gap. Both are necessary, both are needed, but usually you will find in many cases, many times, it, are, it is the older folks, the older people who've walked with the Lord, who've known the Lord a long time, that have wisdom to share that the younger people would benefit from. And the reason for that is because generally wisdom will come because of age and experiences in life. The more experiences, you know, you can, as a young person, a young person can talk about the faithfulness of God, but until they have walked hard roads later in life, perhaps being abused or left by a spouse, perhaps losing a child or a spouse, perhaps um, having some kind of, of disastrous financial condition or disastrous health or whatever, until they've walked through hard times like that, they don't know the faithfulness of God intimately the way an older person who has walked that road can tell and testify. So both are necessary, the old and the young, but we must seek the Lord and be listening to wise counsel. You know, it reminds me of the fact that, you know, Jesus said that the, the sheep will hear his voice and not follow another, another voice. It, it's uh, um, important for us to listen to our shepherd. We see later in this chapter more of the stirrings of war between these, you know, Rehoboam, um, the son of Solomon gets kind of jealous and he's like, hey, I want to rule over all just like my daddy did. So he decides he wants to go to war to reclaim the kingdom. But God confirms that this whole thing was his doing. And it was prophesied to Solomon because of the introduction of the idolatry and all of that into the land. So we see also in verse 25 through 33 uh, more about the fact that the northern kingdom brought in, through, Jer through Jeroboam, brought in a tremendous amount of idolatry. Matter of fact, Jeroboam now makes two golden calves. Remember where the golden calf came from? That was when Aaron built a golden calf after they came back from Egypt. And then he said, Jer Jeroboam here says some of the same words that Aaron had said. Oh, Israel, this is your God who brought you out of Egypt. Same thing Aaron had done. And so now we see that Jeroboam is introducing idolatry, idolatrous worship, and carved images going completely against the direction of the Lord. And so um, his actions here seem to be motivated by fear and a craving to keep his power because he said, well, you know, the Lord said they had to go to, to the temple in Jerusalem to worship. And if they go down there, then they're going to start getting cozy with Solomon's kingdom and, and um, Rehoboam and, and maybe they'll leave me and they won't want me to be their king anymore. So he, you know, out of that fear and out of that craving for that power, um, he decides he's going to build these things. And they're set up in two places, Bethel, which is down in the, the southern part of the northern kingdom, and Dan, which is all the way up in the north. 
So notice, too, that it says in one of the verses here that these were things that he devised in his own heart about where and how to worship God. And, beloved, there's a principle there we need to understand. We cannot reject God's prescribed order. He is a holy God, and he must be revered. He said in one place, for all who come near me, I must be revered and recognized as being holy. We don't put God on our terms. We must receive his terms. And so there's a prescribed order that the Lord um, has in mind. And that's where uh, Jeroboam had screwed up here because he devised something in his own heart instead of being obedient and having his heart leaning toward the Lord. As a matter of fact, I'll point out something else that God tells him directly that was part of his sin. So here we are in um, getting into the books of the kings and the chronicles and the historical record of the various kings of Israel, starting with the first kings here in chapter 12 of the divided kingdom after Solomon. Then notice in chapter 13, in verse 1 and 2, how there's a man prophesied by name 340 years before he comes on the scene. And that is Josiah. There is a prophetic word about the coming King Josiah that's given here. He will come from David's line. And he, even his work is prophesied here that he will bring a work of revival and reformation. And this word was delivered 340 years before it ever came to pass. Beloved, time is not a factor with God. When God says a word, it remains a living word no matter how long before it is fulfilled. It might lay dormant for a season. And you may not see it effective. You may not see it working. You may not see anything happening. But beloved, when God gives us a word, you cling to that. When we have a rhema word from God, you cling to that because time is not a factor with God. He spoke this word and 340 years later, it came to pass. God will always fulfill his word. And time is not a factor. Distance is not a factor. There's nothing at all that can stop the word of the Lord from coming to pass. Hallelujah. In verse 7 through 33 of chapter 13, we read in chapter 13 about a man of God that prophesied Josiah by name had come to the king. And then later on, he, the king says, oh, well, you know, you healed me because the, the king tells, tells them, arrest him. His hand withers. Uh, he prays, you know, people everywhere want to come to God in times of need. You know, oh, they might be following idolatrous ways and doing all kinds of other sinful things. But when something bad happens, then it's like, oh, well, well, we need to go to God. It's funny how they turn to the true God then and want to call out to him. And so he did that. And so then he wanted to take the prophet into his house. And he says, well, come and, and let me feed you and all this stuff. I don't know if he was trying to bribe him or if he was just grateful. I don't know. And I'm not going to judge that. But, but the man of God tells him, he says, God's told me I can't eat or drink. I'm not to stop anywhere. I'm to come give you this word. And then I'm to go back home. 
Okay, so we have that, and he and he obeys it there. Well, then we have this other prophet of God, this old man, that comes, and God is using him now to test the man of God. And this is an important lesson for us, because what happens is this other prophet, this older prophet, comes to him, and he says, you know, and the man tells him, he invites him to his home. And the prophet of God, the first one that had gone to the king, tells him, he says, God said, I can't go anywhere and eat or drink anything. I got to go home. Then the older prophet says this. He says, well, yes, but the Lord came to me and told me for you to come to my house. So he, he injects, he's lying to him, <coughs> but he injects spiritual things. He, he gives him some Christian ease. And so this guy, the man of God, didn't test the spirits. He just accepted that that was God telling him that. I don't know if he thought, well, maybe I missed the word of the Lord before or whatever, but he goes with him and he eats and drinks at his house. And then the Lord brings a word to him and he says, you're not even going to be buried in your own tomb because you disobeyed the word of the Lord and have not kept the commandment which the Lord your God commanded you. But he came back and ate and drank bread just like the Lord had told him not to do. So, so anyway, after he leaves, then a lion meets him, tears him up, you know, kills him, well, kills him. And so he's on this donkey. And then you read this story about you have the man, his corpse is laying between them. The donkey's standing there and the lion's standing on the other side. Now get this, the lion doesn't eat the corpse, nor does the lion attack the donkey. Everybody, they're both just standing there. Now, that's obviously a miracle of God in some form or fashion. I don't know. But the old prophet finds out about it, and he goes and he gets him, and he brings him back, and he knows that the word of the Lord has come forth. The whole point of this story that, that I wanted to bring out is this. Jesus said that he is the good shepherd and that his sheep know his voice and the voice of another they will not follow. Beloved, in these days, there are all kinds of people going around and they've got all kinds of words from the Lord. And there's all kinds of stuff that's floating around in Christian ease. And my point is this, we must be careful. One of the, one of the first things that Jesus told us in regard to the coming of the end and the signs that he gave is this. He said, do not be deceived. Beloved, there is much deception running rampant. Some people are intentionally doing it. Maybe others are truly sincere and believe that they have these words from the Lord. But sometimes God might be testing us. It's very critical that we know the voice of the Lord and that we refuse to listen or follow any other. So, beloved, we need to be like John tells us to be in his epistle, to test every spirit and to try the spirits before we listen. We need to know the voice of the Lord and follow nothing else and no one else. Hallelujah. So then we see the end of um, Jeroboam and Rehoboam's reign in chapter 14. We see how in chapter 14, Jeroboam's son gets sick. Here again, 
Everybody wants to run to God when there's a problem. And I don't mean to belabor that or belittle that because God does care about our problems. And sometimes he will use hard circumstances and bad situations to draw people to himself. But when he does, and when someone calls out to the Lord, they are then to receive that and to stop evil ways, to stop following the things that may have brought that upon them, but rather then turn to the Lord and and begin a life of obedience. And so it reminded me of some of those things. Um, Because Jeroboam sends, you know, word and he wants to he wants to hear a good word from God. Well, the word from God is that the child's going to die and that Jeroboam is not going to have anybody to continue after him. His kingdom's going to be taken from him uh, because you'll find his legacy in scripture is this. In scripture you'll see where it's repeated. Jeroboam the son of Nebat who caused Israel to sin. God is holding him responsible because he brought in and ushered in these two golden calves and all of this idolatrous worship into the northern kingdom when he had the opportunity to start fresh with God, to lead the northern kingdom into obedience of the Lord and honor of God. And instead of that, he brought in and ushered in freely these idolatrous things that would bring God's judgment and God's displeasure. So so we see that. And he will suffer for it. He'll suffer the consequence. First of the first um, kings of Israel and all of these things. And you'll see that even in uh, verse 14 of chapter 14, the destruction of Israel is prophesied hundreds of, many hundreds of years before it will ever happen, but also God gives the reason for it. It's because of the idolatry. It has now come into the land. It has taken root in the land, and it's going to continually be practiced year after year, generation after generation. So here, we see not only the end of the uh, first kings and the the basis for God's judgment, but the the proof that when God does judge for this kind of sin, it is a righteous judgment. He is just and righteous in all of his doings. Hallelujah. So praise be to God. I hope that some of this has been an encouragement to you today as we're just reading through the scriptures and taking it step by step and gleaning what we can. And uh, may we not be like Jeroboam or Rehoboam because both of them sinned against the Lord. Both of them turned to idolatry. Both of them turned their hearts away from the Lord. And the Bible even says of Jeroboam that he's cast me behind his back. In other words, he just, he rejected God. He treated him as useless and as just something he didn't need and didn't care about. Oh, beloved, may we love the Lord and may we learn and hear from him, know his voice and not follow any other. And I just pray that this blesses and encourages you today. In Jesus' name, may you be blessed. Hope you can join me again for future episodes. God bless you.